0: KYW original podcasts. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic in Philadelphia, subscribe to KYW In-Depth on the radio.com app or wherever you listen to your podcasts. The coronavirus pandemic from KYW In-Depth. I'm Carol McKenzie. Is that a weird dog thing? Or is it something more serious that needs some professional attention? Pet owners can now get advice from Penn Behavioral experts through PennVet's new telehealth app. It's PenVetBehavior.com. It was in production before the pandemic hit, but its release couldn't be more serendipitous. Dr. Carlos Siracusa is a veterinary behaviorist, and he leads Penn Vet's behavior clinical team. From what I understand, you can connect to a behavior expert such as yourself, right?
1: Yes. So why did you start this? So uh, this is actually a long-term project. We started to uh, think about this uh, a few years ago with a previous company that uh, helped us creating this Platform Connect for Education, and the idea actually came from them. It was very interesting because the head of Connect for Education is the mother of uh, one of our former students, now uh, a veterinarian. She realized that there was a very reduced accessibility to behavior veterinary care. That there was a lot of information on the web, especially, but also on TV. I don't have to mention any show. I'm, I'm I'm sure everybody's familiar with all the shows that tell <laughs> you what you are supposed to do. Yeah. But n- none of this information was really peer-reviewed. There's no science-based information was easily available to people. And this was not only like a problem with the quality of information, but also that uh, this could actually put people and their pets in danger, right? If you... If you watch uh, these shows or if you go online, like many pages, they have a disclaimer because it can actually be dangerous and, and not welfare friendly for the pet. So we thought that uh, people needed something to get more reliable information. And when you look at how many. Board-certified veterinary behaviorists. There are in the United States. There are well less than a, than 100. But when you go to the page, to the web page of the college, in the official list of of uh, veterinarians that are currently active, uh, they are about 70, a little bit more than 70 in in the old country. So definitely, there are areas of the United States that are underserved. It's very difficult to find good quality information. So we thought that we could have people. But one of the problems that we had to fix was doing this within a legal frame. As veterinarians, we cannot give advice to people, and especially we cannot diagnose anything or give a treatment for anything if we don't have what is called a VCPR, a valid client-patient relationship. And this can only be done when you actually have seen the client and the pet, something that cannot be done through telehealth. Unless you don't create a platform that allows you to communicate as primary contact with the veterinarian, with the primary care veterinarian, and then involve the person that is experiencing behavior problems or undecided behavior with their pet, you get this person involved through the veterinarian. So your primary conversation is, is with the vet, but still you can have the person living in the same virtual environment and uploading materials and especially videos about their pet behavior because nobody knows better. Then the caregiver, then the owner, what's going on, right? Can give you a detailed description of what's going on. So this is what led us to create this platform. And then it passed from Connect for Education, which was the regional company, to Intellivets, uh, which is a company that is actually dedicated to virtual veterinary care specifically, and it's run by the students that I was telling you that now is a, is a vet and also a business person.
0: So then fast forward to May 2020, right? You had this, you were already working on this, and now we're in the pandemic. It's really, you know, you were talking, you said you were looking at underserved areas, but now we're in a completely whole new world with veterinary and you know veterinary offices, they're either closed, you know, or only taking urgent cases, things like that. And so, opening up during this pandemic is pretty important for a lot of pet owners out there to be able to reach out to experts.
1: Yes, absolutely. We decided to officially launch the, the, the web platform now because, as, as you correctly said, it might be a moment in which. Uh, the need to 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 reach people in their home is stronger definitely, and uh, the majority of primary care veterinarians they are still working because it's an essential business, but some specialties uh, they cannot see patients directly because The typical patients is not an urgent case. So, having something like this platform that connects uh, everybody in the same virtual space is definitely important. And uh, the fact that this platform allows us to be within the uh, legal frame of uh, a valid DCPR, it's very important because there, there are other forms of telehealth, which we are currently offering. So, for example, the most popular, I'll say, is probably the, the video call, the Zoom call, right? Uh, but but that one has big, big, big limitations because if you If you decide to have a conference call, a video call with a pet owner that you have never met, you still have all the limitations imposed by the lack of a BCPR. That is, you can just give very generic advice. You cannot give any specific diagnosis of any treatment through telehealth done via a a conference call. So even in, in these times, some states, they have relaxed the legislation. There are a slightly increased number of things that you can do through a, a Zoom call, through a, a video conference call, but it's still very, very limited. While our web platform, the PenVet Behavior Web App, doesn't have these limitations because it respects the legal frame.
0: So how does this work? Do I, do I need, if I'm a pet owner, do I need to go through a veterinarian to do this?
1: Yes, you need to do. You can get on the webpage, see what this is about. There is an explanation of how it works. There are actually things that you can do without contacting your veterinarian. You can have a profile of your pet filling a questionnaire uh, which is called sea bark and uh, the sea bark will give you a a general temperament profile of your pet and will tell you how your pet your dog specifically in this case compares with the average population so if if your dog for example shows an anxiety related behavior or aggression or fear like in the in the uh, highest percentile of the population that is above average then this question I will tell you so you should contact your vet and uh, talk to your vet about this problem. If you already know that your pet is showing a desired behavior or a behavior problem, then you can also directly contact your your uh, veterinarian. Many veterinarians, they are already aware of this platform or you can say, I know there's this platform, uh, uh, like, would you be willing to work with me on this? But yes, they need to go through the primary care veterinarian. We will not directly consult with a pet owner.
0: Okay, so you won't, so do I have this, because I was reading the write-up on this, and it says that there's real-time video commentary, so that allows the pen vet experts to provide kind of specific feedback. Can you explain that to me and tell me how that works? Sure
1: the first content as i was saying is done with the veterinarian the veterinarian requests the consultation and we open the the virtual space reserved to this specific patient the veterinarian will upload the medical history of the patient and any other specific information that uh, he or she thinks uh, it may be relevant to us then the veterinarian generates a code a link that is shared with the client. And this link will give the client access to this virtual space. And the client can upload videos and can answer a questionnaire, which is different from what we were mentioning before. The Cbar, this is a questionnaire that is more targeted for um, pets with behavior problems that we already know they have behavior problems. So the, veterinarian, the, the pet owner, oh, sorry, can answer this questionnaire, upload videos, and once everything is in the space, in the virtual space, then we receive a notification and we go over all these materials. Specifically for the videos, we can do frame-by-frame analysis. That is, for example, if um, the pet has a problem of uh, excessive fear to some stimulus, many people miss the early signs, that is when the pet is is starting to be concerned about something and that's the right time to take an action, right? To redirect uh, the dog attention towards something different, hopefully something good. What we can do in the video is that we can write in a specific frame. You see the dog is showing this behavior. For example, uh, very early indicators of fear are behaviors like uh, excessive lip licking or yawning. So if the dog is trying to uh, lick the nose or the lips, his own nose or, or lips. And if it's yawning, then it means that he's starting to perceive something uh, that is making him anxious or if he's starting to pace around. So we can write this down and that the owner, when we we'll review the video, will have an indication of what frames in the video contains our comments and check what we have to say about that specific situation. And on top of this, then we will produce a reports with uh, recommendations. All these materials will be sent to the veterinarian, not directly to the pet owner. The veterinarian can make this accessible to the pet owner and can also sort of uh, check Based on uh, the assessment that the veterinarian has made of the pet, well, this is uh, very appropriate. However, uh, these other recommendations, for example, I don't think it's, it's appropriate at this stage. So can the veterinarian can do uh, some varying of the information that we provide to them.
0: So how is this different than working with a trainer?
1: The trainer is the person that is responsible for the Behavior modification part, that is, using training, it means establishing a channel of communication with our dogs, right? So training is not something that is used to make your dog understand who is the boss, who is the leader. This is all misinformation, like pop behavior literature, but it's not there's no scientific base in this. Training is something that you use to connect with your pet, establish a common language so you can ask your pet to do something and understand what your, what your pet thinks about that, right? So the trainer, a qualified trainer, is responsible for this. But the trainer cannot in any way make a diagnose or give a treatment. This is a medical procedure, and only veterinarians can do it. Only veterinarians. It's actually illegal for a trainer to diagnose a behavior problem and give recommendation about a behavior problem. They can give, as, as we were saying before, general advice. But in in any way, this is meant to be a treatment for the problem because undesired behaviors or behavior problems, they are not always normal behaviors that a person doesn't know how to control. But many times, they are actually behavior pathologies. It's mental illness. The same way in which um, humans suffer from mental illness Pets do suffer from mental illness. So this is a completely different realm. Like this is this is a medical field and only veterinarians can do diagnosis and treatment.
0: So how do I know if I'm a pet owner if I that my pet's behavior, you know, needs medical attention as opposed to this is just a behavior we need to redirect the dog or get 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 training help? How do you differentiate between those two issues and just and figure out what you need,
1: yes, the generic advice is if you don't know, ask to your veterinarian and your veterinarian can have access to these tools, because one the, the, the same way in which, uh, for example, if you will see your dog that is sneezing more than usual, you don't know yet if this is something concerning especially now right in the age of coronavirus i had a person asking me well my cat is sneezing should i be worried it's the same thing in this way you would ask to in this case you would ask to a veterinarian the generic recommendation is the same for behaviors that you don't know if they are appropriate or not appropriate that said A normal behavior, but this is a generalization, it might not apply to every pet. A normal behavior is usually proportionate to the stimulus that is. If there is a a thunderstorm and your dog runs under the bed and then it stays there and it's relatively calm throughout the thunderstorm and then it will come out, this is probably a normal level of fear. Still, you want to talk about it with your vet because it might get worse, so you want to just make sure that you are doing the right thing, but this is not necessarily a pathological behavior. Or, for example, if a, a dog is uh, eating food and you try to remove the food, and your dog might just do a mild growl then this is not necessarily a pathological behavior. The dog is just telling, well, you know what, I was eating. What about if I come to you at night and I steal your food, would you be happy? So the dog is communicating that it's not... (laughs) <laughs> Please, with what you are trying to do, but it's not necessarily an abnormal behavior. But of course, if growling is a sign that aggression then might escalate, it is disproportional. If you're just passing by, not really touching the food or anything, and the dog is, is lunging and trying to bite you, then this might be a more dangerous behavior and might go into the category of pathological behaviors. Again, these are all examples They are not meant to be in any way an assessment for a specific individual because then it depends also... On the general temperament of the animal, right? Let's go back to the thunderstorm fear example. If a dog is, in general, a very quiet dog and is not fearful and it's very outgoing, and then when, there is a, when there's a thunderstorm, he goes under the bed, but then he comes out when the thunderstorm is gone and everything is fine, then probably that one is good. But if a dog is very afraid of stimuli, it's, it's anxious in general, so he's a dog that for example, when there is a fearful stim- uh, a fear-inducing stimulus, tends to stay excited, aroused, like upregulated for a long time after the stimulus is gone. This dog might still go under the bed and hide, but the behavior might be more severe because it's not just limited to the thunderstorm. You see that your pet in general is anxious. So again, these are generic recommendations. Then uh, your vet. With the help of a behaviorist, we can understand if that is a a concerning behavior or not, or if maybe at that time it's not that concerning, but there is the potential for developing in something more severe. And this is actually what this app might be helpful with, too, right? Consulting through the app with us is not a substitute of a full behavior appointment. That is, you're not going to have a full behavior treatment through just the ZAP. So actually, the ZAP is very appropriate for this kind of uh, situations in which uh, there's something that we don't understand exactly what it is, and we can be helpful. Or it can be helpful for a first approach to a problem. Or sometimes veterinarians have tried things, they didn't work, and they say, well, I need some more expertise in behavior, like what do you think the next step will be? So the app is going to help with specific problems, specific circumstances, Like, and and we give limited input uh, about that that situation. But Mm -hmm. if you want a general assessment of your temperament, and if there are bigger behavior problems, the first option is still going to see a veterinary behaviorist in person, if you can, of course, if, it's, if there is anybody in your area.
0: So a lot of people have adopted animals during this pandemic, dogs and cats. What, would, what is your advice to them, particularly people who may have never owned a pet before?
1: First of all, it depends whether you are fostering a pet versus adopting a pet that, that you plan to keep. We have seen uh, that, especially during this coronavirus emergency, there have been actually a lot of adoption and fostering. So shelters are actually seeing less presence, a lower presence of pet in their facilities. Things might be slightly different if you uh, plan to uh, have this pet with you temporarily and this pet is looking for a forever family versus that forever family is going to be you, your family, actually. So let's assume that uh, you are going to be the, the forever family. First thing to keep in mind, if a dog is coming from a shelter, if it's at a shelter, there is a reason, right? Many times there are stray dogs and they do not necessarily have anything that we know. But also if you look at statistics about uh, causes for relinquishment of pets to shelters, behavior problems are consistently among the top reasons. Uh, So uh, if you are getting a pet from a shelter, you should be prepared that that pet might need some special care like some special attention, especially at the beginning, for several reasons. One, because it's uh, it's coming from an environment which, uh, as we're saying, it's already a little bit at risk for specific, some problems. For example, separation anxiety has been found to be more prevalent in dogs that come from shelters, and also because going through a uh, rehoming to a shelter or to a foster family, and then the pet develops attachment and then it gets detached again from these people and it goes to the forever home. All this per se is a stressful experience to the dog. So expect that for the first few weeks, your dog might not be his true self. So what you see at the very beginning, or even what you see in the shelter, might not necessarily be reflective of that dog uh, behavior in uh, uh, quote-unquote normal conditions right once the environment is stabilized just as that show that it takes even two to three weeks for that pet to to peak his stress level and then go back to normal so be very patient at the beginning what you want to do is first thing Set up a safe environment for the dog. We get very excited and we expect a lot from our pets, especially now in these times when our social relationships have been affected. So they are limited. So we expect... From this pet to be the surrogate for the social interaction that's been taken away from us. We put a lot of expectation and a lot of pressure on the pet to interact, to do something, to get cuddly or play. But but keep in mind that the same way in which we need our spaces, for example, if we all live uh, with our family in a small environment, we need our spaces we are not always up to do something together. We are like, okay, you know what? I, I just need to rest a little bit. I'll go to my room. It is the same thing for dogs, even more, because we can decide. We can say, I'm going to my room, or I need some time, or oh, please turn the TV off. Dogs cannot. They have to take whatever we decide for them. So in this sense, we we need to be, aware that uh, we can control the environment of our pets and we have to make sure that there is a quiet spot for these pets to go what is the quiet spot it can be the crate if this dog is crate trained it can be a room upstairs definitely the quiet spot is not the living room where your three Children eight, ten, and seven years old uh, run around and scream continuously. That is not a good definition of a safe haven for for a dog. The dog might all, might become all excited and run after the kids, but this doesn't necessarily mean that it's enjoying this interaction. So it, it's good to prepare the safe spot. Make sure that the dog has everything it needs in the safe area, which means food. It means water, toys, a comfortable spot. Do not restrict the water of your dog when it's confined. Some people take the water out of the safe space if the dog has to stay several hours there because they think it's good to minimize the chance that this dog will pee in the room or in the crate. That's not good. Again, saying to Uh, being in a room for several hours uh, not being allowed to go outside and not having access to water. At some point, uh, your association with that room might not necessarily be the best, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't want this happening to your dog. You want your dog thinking that that place is a quiet place, is a good place to go. So give some time and give some space to your dog, Interact with your dog, uh, play sessions or anything that your dog enjoys. Work on some basic training, but then make sure that the dog has time to to decompress a little bit and, 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 and take its whole space. Until you don't know your dog very well, I would also suggest to avoid close physical interaction. There are studies that show that... Uh, Human behaviors that we love, like hugging and kissing, they are actually not well tolerated by dogs. And these behaviors, they precede most of bites to the face of people. So no hugging or kissing. It's not a dog thing. It's a human thing. It's better just to play, for example, fetch uh, with, a, with a toy or with a ball. But But avoid very close, especially face-to-face interaction, Uh, when you restrain your dog at least uh, this is is always a good recommendation but especially in the initial period when you don't know well your dog and uh, again your dog is going through this adjustment phase.
0: Is there a cost to use the um, Pen Vet Behavior App?
1: Yes, there is a cost. The cost is charged to the veterinarian and then the veterinarian will charge the client. The recommended uh, cost to the public, is $250 per consultation. But again, uh, this is something that goes through the primary care vet. So in the end, people should talk to the vet and see what is the price that the veterinarian is going to charge to them.
0: Doctor, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate
1: it. You're very welcome. I hope you, you and all the listeners are safe and well. And so
0: do their pets. Yeah, yeah. And you stay safe and well, too. (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye.
0: That's it for this episode of KYW In-Depth Coronavirus. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic, or if you just want to know more than what you're hearing on the news right now, if you want to go a little deeper, if you want to know how this could change your life or your routine, then subscribe to the KYW In-Depth podcast. Search for KYW In-Depth on the Radio.com app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Carol McKenzie, and we'll have another episode out soon.